Hello, friends. Welcome to our podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. If you haven't done so before, go ahead and follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Point of View Pod and on Twitter at podcast underscore POV. And if you're looking for a fun, positive Star Wars community to be a part of, be sure and join our Facebook group. And you can find us at a certain point of view discussion group. Thanks and enjoy the show. So what I told you is true from a certain point of view. Hello there. Welcome to a certain point of view. I'm Michael. I'm Ben. And this is a Star Wars podcast. Oh boy, you guys, it is here. It is here. We freaking made it. We made it. You know what? This has been a tough year. We've had, (laughs) we have had so many things that have just sucked. And we've not had new movies to watch. And all of our TV shows that should be out now have been pushed back. And finally, 2020 comes you did through something right. in a good way. <laughs> and we have season two of The Mandalorian, just one episode, and it's made my whole year. <laughs> Dude, I mean, this is this is freaking good Star Wars. <laughs> I know, man. We're going to talk about that. We're going to get into it here soon, but I... I I just I am so happy. I don't even know what to say right off the top. It's just like I I we were talking earlier. I haven't been this excited to talk about anything Star Wars in a long time. And I've been mm-hmm. I love talking Star Wars and um but like you know we were doing the old episodes and it was fun. Yeah. But um but like this is a whole new I I found myself anticipating this much like I was anticipating like Avengers Endgame and like yeah <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> and and Rise of Skywalker before I um <laughs> gonna check out our episode on Rise of Skywalker yeah 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 we point out the positives too um they're there that's how excited I was about this mm-hmm. I I attempted to stay up late and I am apparently old now, so I couldn't. Um, <laughs> but I watched it um, on my. I was so I literally was so impatient that I watched it on my two ten minute lunch breaks or my two ten minute breaks, and then my thirty minute lunch break at work. <laughs> I watched. Oh I watched it, and, and it was like killing me to not finish it like all the, the whole time. I watched it on my phone. <laughs> I just I didn't care what I watched it on. It was just like I have to watch it right now. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah. And so and um, you spoiler alert, it did not disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. Yeah, I was. I didn't. I didn't even try to stay up late. I knew that it would not work out well because I had work the next morning and I'm bad about staying up late and being able to actually wake up in the morning. Sure. So, um, I <laughs> me too. So I just I just sort of opted for um waiting until lunch to watch it with my wife. Uh which she appreciated and so we um we just had some food ready to go uh and started it like right at the beginning of lunch and I was able to watch all the way through it. <sighs> so it was 
Awesome. Spoiler alert. The awesome. Best, best, best lunch break I've had in a while. <laughs> yes. So, guys, yes, we are excited for this episode. Uh, but, Ben, before we get started, have you had any, besides The Mandalorian, have you had any fun Star Wars-y, even minuscule thoughts this week about anything Star Wars related? <laughs> um, I watched reactions to The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched that, and I also um, I also just kind of started thinking about the Obi Wan show. Mm. Nothing deep. Just literally started thinking like that's a thing. It's that's a, a thing. thing that we're getting. And if and I'm so happy. And and <laughs> let's just say if this episode was any indication, the Obi Wan show could be amazing. <laughs> Man, and I saw um, somebody you actually follow, Christian Harloff. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. him tweet. Um, something after watching this episode that basically just said like, like this episode really solidified in his mind that he thinks the future of Star Wars is television and that is a hundred percent okay. Like, if we can get more things like what we saw this week, um, in Star Wars through television and all that, then I mean, bring it on, you know. And I was like, that's a pretty cool thought, you know. I mean, like, I think that the movies have their merit. Obviously, we love them. Um, and But I do think that the potential for the future of Star Wars on TV being kind of the, almost like the, you know, like the flagship product of Star Wars kind of being their television shows for the foreseeable future. I think that's a pretty cool yeah. thought, you know? It is a cool thought, and, and I... I'm mixed on this because, dude, I'm. I don't know. There's something about just having a new Star Wars movie coming out. Like, it, there's there's nothing like it. There, there's just nothing like You're it. You're right. And, and I agree. Yeah. And I, I also just, I love TV shows, but I also love the 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 movie medium. It's different. Yeah. To, it is different. The it ability different. to be able to tell a story within two to two and a half hours, a full complete story is a totally different art form than telling an, a story over eight episodes or however many, you know, it's a yeah. different thing. And, and I love both, but, um, uh, I, here's what I'll say. I can totally handle the future of star Wars being TV shows for now. Yes. But I gotta have that Taika Waititi star Wars movie. <laughs> I just say, I have to have it. Yeah. And I gotta have the, I'm still holding out even just a little bit of hope that we're still getting that Ryan Johnson trilogy. I think it's a Dude, fool's I know. errand, I'm but still I'm still holding on to that too. <laughs> still uh, holding on to it, and I feel like a feel like a hopeless loser. But I know I, I'm still holding I, on I'm to definitely it. Definitely holding on to it. But that's where I'm at with it. I totally. I mean, I get it. I agree to an extent, but I'm not gonna lie. I miss movies already. I I the only movie I've seen in theaters this in since March is Tenet. And honestly, yeah. it was okay. <laughs> it wasn't as good as I was hoping for it to be. So even that was yeah. kind of a letdown. <laughs> and so, um, so my star Wars adventures for the week have pretty much hinged on the Mandalorian as well. But I did, um, I posted the other day on Facebook that, um, just on my, on my feed, not in the group oh, or anything, yeah. but I posted, I miss the days when defending the last Jedi was the most controversial thing I posted. 
or something like that. And um, and that yeah. was that was a fun little thread. But soon mm-hmm. after that, someone posted within our group. Uh, Zach Smith posted a thread within our group, and it wasn't even officially about the Last Jedi, but it turned into it. And um, I found myself having a debate with people defending the last Jedi. And I was like, this is great. I miss this. This is fun. I love this. This is, this is so much better than other debates that have been happening. (laughs) Um, in this election year, COVID year, all this year. Um, and so this, I had so much fun just like re reinvigorating my love for the last Jedi. And if you talk bad about my Luke, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to cut you. Um, yep. I, I I wish I could read it all, but we <laughs> nobody wants to hear that. Um, but it was fun. It really did kind of like get me back in the Star Wars mode leading up to uh, the Mandalorian. So that was yeah. that was really really fun to be a part of again. So dude, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw that post and <laughs> some of the responses were pretty fun. To, it was fun to read. Yeah. What I, and what I loved and I'll I'll use this moment to kind of plug our Facebook group. What I loved about that was that. It was all like I was it was me and like maybe it was me and Josh Mesker as always, like just defending it (laughs) and people jumping on us and uh, and and arguing against us. But it was all so respectful. It was like it was like it was fun. Sometimes we were getting a little bit like uh, we were getting a little aggressive at times, but it was all very respectful of each other's opinions. And that is what our group is about. And so yeah. I want to tell you guys, if you haven't joined it, go join our Facebook group, A Certain Point of View Discussion Group. It is so much fun. We just have random Star Wars discussions on there. We talk about the episode. We have spoiler threads for new episodes of the shows we cover um, or the shows that are on or whatever. And uh, and new movies that come out one day again. And all of this stuff. We have – we just have – it's just a ton of fun. Uh, and so yeah. I really – I, I can't say enough how important this group is to this podcast. So please go and join it. If you're not a part of it, you're only getting half the experience if you're just listening yeah. to this podcast. Uh, so that said, we have something new we want to introduce to this podcast. And Ben, I'm really excited about this. I think this, this is going to be really awesome. This could be really, really cool. And and I will say this is not my original idea. I wish it was. It's And it's very simple. <laughs> but um, I got it from the Fringe podcast, which is one of the first non-sports podcasts I ever really listened to. Um, it really made me fall in love with podcasts, to be honest. And um, also, watch Fringe if you haven't. So basically what they do is – and what we're going to start doing is we are going to – um, every week, starting today, starting this week, um, this is going to be available. So basically, you make a voice memo on your phone and send it to povpodcast2 at gmail.com. And then we will play it on the podcast. Basically, the goal here is we want your voices to literally be heard on the show. Mm-hmm. Because we always talk about how the Facebook group is so important and, like, the community. Well, like, how much cooler would it be if you guys could actually, like, talk on the show? You know, we can't have everyone as a guest on the show, but we could have a lot of people as a a guest this way, you know? And Mm -hmm. so what you'll you'll do is 
depending on the subject matter. So like for this week, what we're going to do is y'all are going to send in your thoughts, your theories, your your overall impressions, um, even criticisms, whatever, of episode, well, chapter nine, uh, the Marshall, the Mandalorian episode from this week. Um, And you will send a minute long or less, uh, one minute tops. We can't do too long. But one minute tops, just your thoughts on the episode um, and theories or whatever. And you send it to that email, povpodcast2 at gmail.com. And then we will play it on the podcast, react to it, talk about what you guys are saying, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We can literally get your voices heard on the podcast. We y'all are so important to this podcast. It it really couldn't mm-hmm. be as could not be what it is without you. So, yeah. Yeah, for That's real. what we're going to do. Yeah. I love it, dude. I'm really excited. I love um there's a few podcasts I listen to that do something like this, and I think it really is it's a great way to get community in on it because it's like it's like you said it's you know it's fun to read your facebook responses and everything but i'd much rather like actually get to hear your voices and like get to um let other people hear your voices too yeah so it's and we will continue we will continue the to read the facebook posts as well uh but you know I think it's just way more fun. Y'all, y'all would rather hear the actual voices of the people saying these things than mine and Ben's voices. You hear us for the whole rest of the episode. So um, why would you want to hear us more? So um, I, we are we want to hear your <laughs> actual voices and your and your opinions on here. And so, yeah, we want to get you guys involved. So one more time, you will record a voice memo no more than a minute long. You will send it to povpodcast2 at gmail.com. And as long as it's within reason, don't, don't, you know, if it's like inappropriate or, or hateful or whatever, we're, we will use our discretion on that, but otherwise we (laughs) will play it on the episode. So it'll be a lot of fun. So please, you guys do this. It's going to be awesome. Now. Yes. Ben, are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. (laughs) We're going to talk about the Mandalorian chapter nine, the Marshall. Written and directed by John Favreau. Let me say this ahead of time. <laughs> spoiler alert. We will be talking yes. spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. This is your chance to turn off the episode, go watch the episode uh, of The Mandalorian, and then come back and listen to us because we're just going to dive right in here. Um, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to dance around this at all. <laughs> so, no. so um, Ben, let me ask you this. Let's just talk about Broad first. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts on this episode. I gotta know. <laughs> Dude, okay. One of the things that... I often talk about one of the things that made me fall in love with Star Wars um, was um, Knights of the Old Republic. Hmm. And... Because, like, I loved, I loved Star Wars before I played Knights of the Old Republic. But it was, like, after playing that game that, like, my Star Wars obsession started, mm. I feel. And this episode is actually, like, not, it's not that it is similar to or reminds me of. This episode is basically exactly like a quest that you do in Knights of the Old Republic <laughs> um, where you have to go and kill a crate dragon <laughs> and get its pearl and all of that stuff. So, and like even the cave and everything looked like the cave that you go to to kill the crate dragon in that game. So like 
this this episode had me really in my feels for a lot of reasons. Um, like the combining of familiarity and new in this was mm. so well done. Um, and also just like this, this episode also just had a lot of, it, it was like, I don't know. It just felt confident. Mm. Like it felt confident. It felt like it knew where it wanted to, to go. It didn't feel like it was wasting our time at all. Um, but it also didn't feel like it was rushing us. Like, I don't know, dude, this just like, uh, you know, the fact that John Favreau directed and wrote this, um, when you're watching this episode, you really feel like the person behind the camera is just deeply in love with this world, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like, <laughs> like, I think I felt that more in this episode than I have in any other episode of the Mandalorian. Mm. Um, and I felt it. It's all through this show. Like the people making it love it. Um, but this episode was something special, dude. Like, I don't know if it's just because I got like <laughs> to get my head above the waters of 2020 for a moment. And it just felt so amazing. But, um, I don't know. I think even just like watching the past episodes this you know, the like week leading up to it, even, um, great episodes, good TV, great Star Wars. And then you watch this and you're just like, this is another level. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I could keep going and we're going to, but man, there's a lot here. <laughs> you aren't kidding. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to come at you from slightly different perspective here. I come from a perspective who has never seen, uh, who has never played Knights of the Old Republic. Mm -hmm. Actually, I did try once and I was confused by the controls, so I stopped. I understand. Um, <laughs> that was my first, that was literally my experience the first time I played it. So Guys, I am a Mario guy. I, I like Zelda <laughs> and that is about it. <laughs> so um, uh, I do like the pod racing game, uh, but that's very simple. Uh, <laughs> good game. It, the controls were confusing, so I stopped because I was impatient. But I haven't played the game. I haven't read the EU books um, because, honestly, I'm just a movie guy. To be completely honest, I'm a movie and TV guy, and I like to watch my stories that way. I haven't been a, an avid reader since before college, really. <laughs> um Unfortunately, I think one day I'll pick it back up and I think I have a huge vast world to pick up as soon as I want to. But I kind of lost desire to read in college. I think that's the opposite of what's supposed to happen, but it did. Um, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so that that's the point of view I'm coming from. I'm watching this yeah. episode and – you know, I found out later there's a lot in this episode that is deep Star Wars lore. Like there is there is tons of stuff in this episode. It's loaded, cram packed with lore from the EU, from the games, from all sorts of stuff that that I, I guess wasn't official canon until now, huh? Um, kind I of, guess yeah. you know. So because. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, you tell me: is the Knights of the Old Republic official canon, or is that not? So it's not. It's not, but okay. but parts of it have been hinted at as like like you know the, yeah. the Rise of Skywalker visual dictionary um, confirmed that Revan 
is a real Sith Lord. Okay. Um, so that's so that's going to come into play eventually. I'm I'm sure. At some point. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming from because Disney has taken stuff from the EU. I know Ben Solo is based on Jason Solo. I know that. I know like stuff like that. But they change the name and make it basically the same character. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're dealing with. Din Djarin is Boba Fett. Like, <laughs> like yeah. that is why they made this show, right? And so they just changed the name. But basically, this episode took stuff from the EU and, and left it what it is. They made it. Yeah. They made it canon. They made it. They brought it into official canon. And yes. I really love that because I don't know it. I don't know all yeah. of it, you know? I know a lot about the movies and the TV shows and stuff, but I don't know all of the canon stuff. So me sitting here watching this stuff that I now know is, like, deep Star Wars lore that all these people freak out about, now I can because I yes. know it. And so, like, I'm watching here as kind of a different perspective, kind of from a noob <laughs> perspective on that <laughs> on that front, you know? Yeah. So I'm sitting here watching this episode, and... But but the great thing is, before I knew any of that, this episode stood on its own. Yeah. Incredibly. I didn't know – when the episode was finished, I was sitting there with my mouth on the floor by what yeah. I just watched um, at my work. <laughs> and I was sitting there with my mouth on the floor and I didn't even know half the stuff that actually happened. So that is what this show is. That is what makes this show work is because it is made by fans of The Mandalorian who love – or it is made by fans of Star Wars who love this world but also to – but also are making a show that is easily accessible to people who don't know everything about this world. Right. You know? And so – and so general – thoughts on this episode was I this is like you said another level like this episode I mean I'm struggling to find things that are problems with this episode um there's one thing and I'll get to it later and it's dude I don't even know if it's a problem I honestly don't think it's a problem so but (laughs) there is one thing I'll talk about later but bottom line I freaking love this episode I so when when at the beginning when they said that the Mandalorian is on Tatooine, I was like yeah. uh, initially, and you probably knew that my initial thought would have been, "Great, we're going back to Tatooine. Here we go!" <laughs> like, I uh, you know, uh, yes. But my excitement for the episode, I was like, "Okay, back to Tatooine. We go. Whatever. Okay, I'm excited still. That's okay. Let's go. Let's see what they got." Yeah. So. What I loved about this episode was that it did go back to Tatooine, but all and it was full of fan service. But it was. all of the Very fan, service, fan service, all of the fan service was important to the story. Yes, all of the none of it. Maybe one thing felt more shoehorned, and we'll get to that later. But even that wasn't. It didn't bother me. It was yeah. like a geek out moment, and I loved it. Um, but like. Honestly, dude, this episode, I can't believe they went back to Tatooine in the first episode. I can't believe what happened later was in the first episode. Unreal. Like, I can't believe it. 
let's get into the details of this episode because I just want, okay. I'm talking generally right now and I really just want to get into it. But yeah, bottom line, we both love this episode. And again, yeah. spoiler alert, if you've listened this far, stop listening until you mm-hmm. watch the episode. We're about to get into spoilers here. So at the intro, let's talk about the intro first. Yes. So what was cool about this is that um, we saw most of this in the trailer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I actually thought that was funny, but at the same time, I loved that because it was like, yeah. we're so confident in this show that we're basically just going to show you all of these clips from less than five minutes of the ep- of the of the first episode yeah. and nothing else. And you're going to get excited. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. It's like. We we saw basically everything from most the, – there's a few things, obviously, from the trailer we haven't seen yet. Sure. But, like, good chunk of it mm-hmm. we've seen. Yeah. So, like, how exciting is that? <laughs> Seriously, that, um, that, that excites me, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Um, I wanted to point out – so, this is, like, something I, I wanted to point out quickly because it probably isn't anything. It's – just that little Rebels fan in me that wants it to be, but it likely is not. Yeah. Um, all of the, like, street art that he's walking by <laughs> looks so much like Sabine's art. I and know. I, like, a little, that little part of me was just like, I wonder. Is she here? Like, <laughs> I wonder um, if it's her. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, it's probably nothing, obviously. Like, I don't think she lost her mind and just started painting after the events of Rebels. I just, like... Right. Um... You know, there's that. There was just that little part of me where I was just like, "That looks like Sabine's art." It was and, like a uh, wink. It was like a wink to the people who watched Rebels, but it was like, "But this isn't really anything." You know, that's kind of yeah. how I took it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just yeah, that was um, pretty great. Yeah. But talk about setting a really sweet Batman vibe tone with this intro, man. Batman slash Iron um, Man. Yes, yes, Batman. Listen, Iron Man, there absolutely. are several Iron Man moments in this episode. There's one in particular. Yep. That <laughs> I noticed like immediately. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. The we've we've heard a similar music cue before, but the music that kicks in whenever they start fighting at the uh, in that arena, the guitar like wrestling arena, whatever. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Um, it was a slight variation because it's like they have the same guitar thing, but there was something else going on yeah. in there. Um, but man, it was so good, and I was like, "Oh, we're back, man! Yeah, we're back!" It's incredible, and and what <laughs> what a I'm so glad. Look, they showed us a lot of what happens in that scene, and part of me definitely wishes that I could have seen all of that for the first time watching. But that's the danger of trailers. I know that. So yeah, <laughs> but. They did not show all of it, and that was a mm. sick fight scene. Like, all of that was so, so sick. I love the Gamorrean doing a dive out, like, <laughs> a la WWE. Out of the ring. It, yes. it was hilarious to me. And then the, what is it, Zabrak or Zabrak? What, how do you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah, Zabrak. Zabrak. So, wh- whatever Maul is, <laughs> that, um, they're, uh, he was fighting a couple of those, right? Mm-hmm. And they kept punching him in the best guard, like that was gonna work. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, dude, I love, can I just say little thing here? I love the sound effect of the vibroblade. Dude, it's so good. Because, like, the first time they, he used that in the show was with the mudhorn. And uh-huh. I didn't, th- there wasn't really a sound effect on it. I couldn't, I thought it was just this little knife. Like, I was like, how did that thing bring that thing down? <laughs> and right. So, like, you had to tell me, that's a vibroblade. And I was like, oh, got it. Yeah. yeah. But this was very clear. This is a vibroblade. And I just threw it into a Zabrak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was awesome. I loved yeah. that action sequence. Yeah. Everything about it was great. And then it kind of culminating in, in, like I said, this this like Batman moment where oh, he like yeah. hangs the guy by the light, and I wanted him to be like, mm-hmm. "Where are the other drugs going?" <laughs> um, so his yeah, name is Gore Koresh, and Gore Koresh. Um, I'm going to call him Mike Wazowski <laughs> because that's what he looks like. <laughs> the effects on him look so good. Oh, so good. I heard Ken Knapsack, um by the way, if you guys don't listen to the Force Center podcast, you definitely should. It's great. That's a great podcast. Yeah. So um, he described this show as a live action cartoon show. Yes. And it makes sense because you have these live action people and live action practical makeup effects. You know, they're wearing these – they're wearing mm-hmm. the you know, all of this stuff on their face. But um, – but they're being acted, voice acted by someone else. They're that mm-hmm. like similar to Pedro Pascal. The person who is actually doing the voice acting most of the time in this show is not doing the 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 physical acting. It's done by mm-hmm. a, a stunt double or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's that's how it was also done with Quill, Nick Nolte's character. He did not act in the bodysuit. He was right. he was. That wasn't him, but he did the voice. So it's like that's such an interesting way. I never thought about that, but it's totally true. This is a cartoon, yeah. but it's live action. So, yeah. But, dude, that part where he hung him up, where he hung uh, Gore Koresh up, and he just like that, that wasn't a part of the deal. And then he yeah. he took out the light, and the you see those creatures. What are those? Do you yeah. know what those are called? I couldn't find I, what those are called. I'm not sure what they were. We, I didn't get a good enough look at them. We've seen um, them though, right? In Rebels, I think or we've something? seen them in Rebels. Yeah, I yeah, thought so too. They seem familiar. Um, the, um, I love that he was like, he was like, I will not. He's like, I, no harm will befall you at my hand. Like during that conversation, <laughs> and then he ends it by just shooting out the light. You will not die he, by my hand. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, he's gonna die some other way. <laughs> It's like, well, that's not pretty sure we were all thinking that. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. And then after that is the title screen. Yeah. Like all of that happens. And then we finally get the little title uh, Mandalorian chapter nine, which I love continuing. Yes. The story with chapter nine instead of it being like season two, chapter one or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, um, the Good Place does that, too. Yeah. Where they, like, they just keep on continuing on, and it just says, like, chapter, you know, 20-whatever, 30-whatever, whatever point you're in the show you are. And I think that is a I think that is a, a, a little bit of a hint as to this is what they have in mind for the future of this show. It is going to be mm-hmm. side questy. This is what the show is at this point. But it is also going to be a continuous story. 
and that's yes. and that is that is good. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that this this show balances that so well. I do too. Um, I really do. So here we go to Moss Eisley. I want to take this moment to say because we're going to bring this up a zillion times in this episode because this is something I geek out about. The music in this episode. Ludwig Göransson is a monster. <laughs> he is a music monster. Like I listen. Give give him the let him now be the new John Williams for Star Wars. Seriously. Like he does everything. 100%. He does everything. He does Obi-Wan. He does the next movies. He gets it. He yes. gets it, but it's different, and it pushes it into the future. It is not John Williamsy, but it's still so Star Wars. Dude, when he is ascending down or descending down onto like, a, ascending <laughs> down brain. brain not working. No, when he is descending down onto Tatooine, the, yeah. that triumphant How Star Wars is that? It is it is episode one pod racer race. That's what yes. it is. It's like it is that with its own little twist on it, and it is so good. It is. I I, I agree, man. I think that. Yeah, give him, give him Star Wars. Like, I'm. It's his. <laughs> it's, like it, as far as his, I'm concerned, like, I don't care. I love others. I love other composers. And look, if they hire Michael Giacchino to do a Star Wars movie, I'm going to be thrilled. But sweet. like. Yeah. <laughs> The thing is, he is so similar and influenced by John Williams. I don't know. He's so good, but I don't know. I want something new, you know? Mm-hmm. Let John Williams stuff rest and we'll be able to enjoy it forever and let it influence what comes next. But mm-hmm. that's what this is. It's influenced by John Williams, but it is so not John Williams, but it is so Star Wars. It, yeah. We bring in some more synth stuff, w- lots of like just world instruments from all around the world, and yeah. and what I love is that each each chapter of the Mandalorian has had different elements to the same themes, depending mm-hmm. on what the world was like, and so, uh, dude, I don't know. I just we have to talk about that. We're gonna talk about it more because there's several other cues I have to bring up, but yeah, it is just d- he. And he was great. He did such a good job with the first season. But yeah. this episode, I feel like. I felt it too. I, it, there I really was, it was special, man. Like yeah. this is, it was, and I think part of it was he had more time. Like mm-hmm. there were several spots where the music was out front and it was mm-hmm. just like following them across the Dune Sea and all that stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think he had more time and I think that benefited the music big time. But dude, this, the music in this episode was special. It was. And I keep searching on Spotify for the music to this episode, but it's not there yet. <laughs> I have to have it. We need it, Disney, please. I have to have it now. So, we get to Moss Eisley, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. We we um <laughs> we go back into the hangar that we've yes. seen so many times, and we meet. Uh, her name is Peli uh, Peli Moto or Mato Peli Mato. Uh-huh. Um, we saw her in episode five of last season. Your favorite episode. My favorite episode by f- on record, and by favorite you mean my least favorite. And sure. um, <laughs> my favorite episode to crap on. Um, yeah. So we see this character again. Dude, I got to say, she was much more palatable in this mm-hmm. one. I liked yeah. her in this one. Yeah. Because you know why? Because she is us. Yes, she is. When she was like, I'll buy him from you. Just kidding. Not really. Like, that yeah. is us. She is yeah. us, you know? And so, uh, and I also love when she was like, when she called our, by the way, R5. Yeah. With the bad motivator? With the bad motivator. Yeah. He had the scorch marks on the back and everything. And I can just see Dave Filoni just sitting there like, no, <laughs> he's no, just no. sitting there grinning no. like, Dave, oh, yeah. Dave and, and John are like, no, okay, so we want to get this in the shop because we want to show the bad motivator and then they're going to love it. And, and that's, that is, that's why I love the show. So like, not everyone will love it, but like <laughs> the people that know it. it will love it. <laughs> and so, but she's like, <laughs> you can't, you can't get good help anymore. I don't even know who to talk to about it. <laughs> yeah. And then, he, and then she she kept she was like, "Come on," mm-hmm. like she kept like like she was getting impatient with it. It's like yeah. he has a bad motivator. That is so funny. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she was great. Honestly, like, yeah. she was great. I didn't. I, she she's different still. She's a different character for stars. But mm-hmm. I thought, it, and she didn't overstay her welcome. Either. She did I think not. That's important too. Yes. Like, she like was, I think that she like she was she was and she wasn't like she didn't change necessarily like between episodes no, like she she's, she's the, the same, same character. exact character it was just I think that how she was utilized and how much time she was utilized for was just a lot more um, refined this time and it just felt a lot more palatable so yeah because like I like her character I didn't mm-hmm. hate her character in episode five but there were just times where I was like she doesn't need to be in like on the front you know, at the front this much, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah. Totally. I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. So, um, w- something really cool here is that Din allows the pit droids to work on his ship. And I thought that was a really nice thing reminding us, remember, guys, Din Djarin has actually grown a lot since the first episode of the show. And his heart grew three sizes <laughs> that day. Yeah. So um, I, I just thought that was a really nice little touch to remind us like, oh, yeah, that happened. You know, that was really, really cool. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the Moss Eisley part? There, there wasn't much. You know, she shows us where we're going to go next, which is yeah. Moss Pelgo. But do you have any thoughts? Um, I don't have any more thoughts on the Moss Eisley thing. I actually liked the in the transition time in between whenever he's getting there to Mos Pelgo, it shows him sitting down with the sand people, mm. um, just enjoying food and like talking to them. Here's okay. I think I can't remember who I actually heard talk about this, but I think they just like briefly mentioned it. And it just made me really think about like, go down this whole rabbit hole of like, okay. So like, the Mandalorian, like, Dindran has a history on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's cool. But, like, what's even cooler than that is his respect for other cultures and, um, and like, for the people who 
who like the world like he has a very like a he treats that land as sacred as the sand people do. And I think it's so important to note that about his character, not because it's like, Oh, he's really cool. Cause he does this. It's like, that's so intrinsic within him. Like he is a person who has to carry this mantle of the Mandalorian culture and all of that. And like, it's a culture that's misunderstood and not understood and, um, can be seen as brutal murderers, uh, or like war tyrants and stuff, but he understands essentially what it's like to be seen as and not understood and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so he, whenever he goes to a different planet, he respects the people's culture and he understands what it's like. And I just think it's like his relationship with the sand people, I think is really, really cool. Not just for the world of star Wars, but for, um, like his character in particular, I think that that's really special, and I think it really shows a really cool side to him. Dude, I so. tot- I totally agree, and we're gonna go even deeper with this stuff because it comes into play m- a lot yeah. later in this episode. It does. And but what I do love, uh, kind of piggybacking off of that, really well said, is how um, you know this was actually introduced last season in episode yeah. five. And give, to give Dave Filoni credit, like that was something that was really cool. I thought in the episode, even though like the introduction of the <laughs> of, <laughs> yeah of the Sand People was kind of funny, it was like pr- played yeah. for comedy and it was kind of goofy to me. Didn't really work. But the part where he's interacting with them was cool. Like that was cool, mm-hmm. and I always liked that. And it showed that he'd been he'd spent some time here. They reinforced that through the dialogue in this episode. I've spent a lot of time on Tatooine and I've never seen a Mandalorian there. And Mm -hmm. I think that is important because, look, I have a feeling that Tatooine is going to be seen in the show probably plenty more. Yeah. And I would have a problem with that, but (laughs) it's such a part of who Din Djarin is. If he yeah. has spent extensive time on Tatooine enough to where he has like explored and and traversed the Dune Sea with with Tuscan yeah. Raiders, learned their language. learned their language like to the point where he's learned their language. He just like camps out with them, has meals with them. They're they're like dog creature things love him like th- they yep. know him. If that's true about Din, then – well, then Tatooine has to be a big part of this show. And if it is then, I'm I'm in. Yeah. You know what I mean? At that point, it becomes – Tatooine becomes not – it becomes more than fan service. It becomes more mm-hmm. than look at that seat that Han Solo sat in. You remember yeah. that, Greedo or, <laughs> Uh, Greedo was or Han shot there's, first. There's uh, the mark where Greedo yeah, shot. Yeah, you remember <laughs> that. Um, it becomes more than that. It becomes a huge intrinsic part of who Din Djarin is. And at that point, give me as much tattooing as you want because that is deeply ingrained into Din, you know? Yep. So I'm down, dude. I'm in. Give us me as too. much as you want at this point. I'm sold that you can do it well. You know, you've yeah. proven it in one episode. <laughs> so, yeah. Mos Pelgo. So, this is apparently a scene or a, uh, a a place, a village or a city or whatever you want to call it, 
that yeah. is from the EU, right? Yes. Um, um, ben, you yeah. want to talk about it a little bit? You seem to know a little bit more than me about this. Well, I, I, I don't know like a ton about it. It's because I haven't personally like read the story, but I've I've heard of this before. It's um, essentially, I think, in the aftermath book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cobb Vanth is a character that literally we see exactly. We pretty much see what the story tells. Um, in very brief terms, uh, whenever it does the flashback of Cobb Vanth, like after the Death Star was destroyed, and the second Death that, Star that is, <laughs> yes, the second Death Star. Was I love destroyed. that he said that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like that whole little flashback. Yeah, um, is essentially the story of Cobb Vanth. It's like it's this is this is something I love. This is like a tiny, minuscule inconsequential thing in the eu it's not like this is a big thing like it's like a it's like a chapter maybe Mm -hmm. in a book uh in the eu it's not like he has his own book or anything like that um this is just like a little story where they were like hey that's cool we can use that in this story and not change it he is exactly that person also he's timothy oliphant um (laughs) i love it and it's not like we're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna take him and name him bob Shant or Bob Bob Vanth Bob Vanth Vanth Refrigeration. That's great. Um, they they kept the name, and I love that. I, I they're doing that more and more on this show, and I think that's that's so great. I love that, and I think it's going to satisfy. This is why this show, you know, and we can have this discussion on another day. I think we can do a whole episode devoted to this. Does Star Wars need saving? Yeah. We have our opinions about that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you can't deny the Mandalorian absolutely unites the fandom in a way it that does. nothing has. Like, even The Force yeah. Awakens was well thought of, but yeah. it had a lot of detractors, even still, you know? Even yeah. Rogue One had a lot of detractors. <clears throat> and, and you know, this this has united the fan base more than anything I can remember Possibly the final arc of the Clone Wars. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> it's like everybody's like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's like awesome. this, there, there's not a single person besides maybe John Campia, and I think he's just being stubborn, um, that said that he, he didn't think it was that good. Um, he didn't say it was bad, but um, John Campia is really cool. I like his stuff, but he is totally wrong about Clone Wars stuff. Um, We'll just leave it at that. Um, So, but, um, what was I talking about? I just totally lost track. We were talking, you were talking about how... um, Oh, the show unites. Yes, it unites, yeah. It does. The Mandalorian unites the fan base. Yep, it does. It unites the fan base. And in a way that nothing has, to my knowledge, like I can't remember anything doing it. And dude, I think that... Part of that is, like, this episode perfectly exemplifies that. And I think you you sort of mentioned it earlier, but, like, there's a huge portion of the Star Wars fan base that felt really, really um, kind of, like, I mean, to put it honestly, kind of dramatically, but legitimately how some people feel. Like, I've listened, I've talked to people that felt this way. People who loved the EU and it was their Star Wars, like, people who play the Old Republic, for instance, um a lot of them felt super kicked to the curb whenever mm-hmm. Disney nixed the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was essentially like the stuff, like all these stories that they read and everything growing up was basically just like, mm, nope, not your. It's like that's like that that Luke is not the canon Luke anymore. That Leia's not at all. Like all of this stuff is just it's not. It didn't happen basically. Um, but this show by bringing these familiar things, bringing new things, and also bringing expanded universe stuff and whether it's making it fit the narrative or just straight up bringing it in, Mm -hmm. it really is uniting every sect of star Wars fan. And, um, and so those people who felt really sort of abandoned by Disney, whenever they took over and just started making stuff and ditched the EU, those fans can at least find something in here where they're like, oh man, that's so cool. They got that character from uh, from that book I love. That's so cool. You know, it's like yeah. these different things are like, it's cool. And yeah. I think that you're right. It's like it is kind of uniting the fan base in a really interesting way. Yeah, totally so. agree. It's uniting the people who just want something new, like me, <laughs> with mm-hmm. the people like a lot of our friends that we know who, mm-hmm. who love the old stuff that was – kind of kicked to the curb like you said and it's bringing everybody together <laughs> and mm-hmm. so this is great i i'm so pumped about this so let's start back with mos pelgo yes we're gonna talk about the music again um yes dude the music the while guitar. he is the the music while he is traversing across the across the dune sea to oh. mos pelgo is amazing by itself Then he gets to Mos Pelgo, and he's. It's this is where like this is where it becomes a western. Like this is straight up western. This is a western. One hundred percent. You could have like tumbleweeds in this scene, and it would make sense. And but they didn't. But he's (laughs) like he's riding his speeder really his speeder bike really slowly through through the town. Showing people on each side, the camera keeps looking at people on each side, mm-hmm. and uh, and while he's doing this, it's like it's like he's riding a horse. <laughs> That's yeah. how slow he's going. And while he's doing this, is this this beautiful uh, like classical guitar version of the theme that he was just doing with this yes. big orchestra. He's doing that theme, but on this beautiful classical guitar, and it is just perfect. It is 
perfect. It sets the tone for exactly what the rest of this episode is going to be, which is a classic Western tale of, you know, lone uh, lone ranger rides into town to kill the dragon. Yeah, and it's he helps the ta- and he helps the townspeople defeat yes, a common right. enemy. And all of this stuff, it's a classic tale. We've seen this a hundred times, but who cares? (laughs) Like, it is a classic tale, but told in a new Star Wars way. And, and, and the music does it right there. It, it makes it perfect. And so I just had to bring that up because that is actually the first, as soon as it becomes available, that's the first track I'm listening to because that one stood out above all the rest to me. It was beautiful. It's so good. Um, so I want to know what you thought when you were first watching this, because for me, I was like, I wasn't sold yet. Whenever like he gets to the, not, not sold on the episode, like, like meaning like the whole, like, it's really trying to make you think this is Boba Fett. Like Boba Fett's totally here somewhere and he's about to encounter Boba Fett. Um, like whenever the, the bartender's like. Oh, you mean the marshal uh-huh. or whatever? He's like, why don't you ask him yourself or whatever? Uh-huh. When you saw him, what were your thoughts? Well, I thought that it would be too easy for it to be yeah. him. I, I even as it was leading up to it, I thought that it was going to be a misdirection and not. I, I did not think we were going to see Boba Fett, dude. I didn't think we were going to see him in this episode. Like there was, yeah. I did not think that at all. I thought that was going to be later, um, but I thought we were on his trail. You know, mm-hmm. I thought we were kind of on that path. Yeah. But not yet. So when I saw who turned out to be Cobb Vanth, Vanth Refrigeration, he um, – when I saw him, I knew it wasn't him right away because I was like that – well, first of all, that armor does not fit him and he's not wearing – It does wearing, not fit him, yeah. He's not wearing <laughs> Tall, the skinny. whole thing. He's super scrawny and all this stuff. Um But – so I was I was not really – I was kind of just expect. this is what I expected – but I didn't know anything about Cobb Vanth at the time. I didn't know anything about him. So um, while I didn't expect it to be Boba Fett, I was like totally – I was – while I was watching, I was just like really, really enthralled by the whole moment. I thought that that moment with him standing just wearing Boba Fett's armor was cool. Mm-hmm. And you guys, listen. I've talked a lot about – I've talked a lot about my feelings on Boba Fett. I probably sound like I hate him or something like that. I don't. I think Boba Fett's cool. But that's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's it. <laughs> He's yeah. we've seen him as a kid in Attack of the Clones. We've seen him as kind of a whiny uh young adult teenager in the Clone Wars. He wasn't that intimidating there either. And then mm-hmm. we saw him in, you know, the original trilogy and he was cool, but he kind of went out and died in a really lame way. And so I was always like, this is a cool character. He's cool looking. He's got a cool voice. I like what he does in the series, but I don't know why people have him as their favorite character, you know? So that's my stance on Boba Fett. Now, when I see a character wearing Boba Fett's armor, I get super excited. Right. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I get super excited because Boba Fett's cool. (laughs) Okay. So I was really excited with this. And, you know, I've been on the fence about Boba coming back um, because you have to execute bringing someone back well. Yeah. And so anyway, that's my feelings with that. 
But he comes in the door. He's wearing that armor. And I'm like, okay, that's not Boba. Yeah. He looks kind of funny wearing this. But this is cool. <laughs> and yeah. so I love it. He sat. He sits down. He's like, I'll take I'll take two spotchkas. And like mm-hmm. he sits down. And he. what I really loved is just a really small detail. He He sits down. He takes off the helmet. And Mando is walking toward him and he stops in his tracks because he's like, wait, you're not supposed to take that off. <laughs> like that's yeah. that's what I thought. The the acting of whoever was in the costume at that moment, it was great because I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, he would act like that because he's not supposed to take that helmet off. <laughs> and right. so we got a real up close look at the helmet and it's definitely mm-hmm. Boba's, you know. And so and then it's it is revealed that this is um, that is Timothy Oliphant playing this new character Cobb Vanth. Yeah. Dude, this this character was so cool to me. I love okay. This whole sequence is so cool. Oh, um, yeah. Um first off, when I saw him, I was like I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's Timothy Oliphant." Really funny. The last thing I saw him in was The Good Place. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> I forgot he was in that. <laughs> he's helping the judge understand a plan or whatever. Very funny. Anyways, um, so when I saw him, I was like, oh, that's so weird. I like just saw this guy in something else. Um, but, dude, he is just so perfect in these, like, western-y roles. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I really did, like, when I, saw, when I saw him, I had the same thought as you, where I was like, He's very lanky. That's not Boba Fett. Like, right. you know, I was like, I was like, that doesn't fit him right, but this is so cool. I'm excited to see what's going on. Um, and then I kind of had a super big nerd moment happen next where I'm sitting here with Sarah, who Sarah like loves Star Wars, but she's not like a super big Star Wars nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, she keeps on accidentally calling Return of the Jedi episode three because she thinks like in in order um, I can't blame like, her. That stuff's released. super confusing. <laughs> I know, I know. But it was just like, like that's like the idea of like yeah. who, sh- you know. It's like, it's like she she watched them as they've come out, basically. Yeah. Um, and so I'm watching this, and whenever the place starts to shake, <laughs> and we see this creature like go through, literally, I see like these. I heard the sound, the sound that it made. Right before it, like, like as it was approaching uh, Mos Pelgo, it's the same sound that Obi-Wan makes uh, to scare off the raiders, which is supposed to intimidate, or, uh, sorry, imitate a crate dragon. So when I heard in the, the sound... In the original movie, not in the, the one that's on Disney Plus currently. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, but when I heard the sound, I was like, oh my god, it's a crate dragon. And she's like, what? Like, she's like, what's that? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Please be a crate dragon. And then whenever I saw it, I was like, it, it may be a crate dragon. I haven't gotten a good enough look at it yet. And then he said it. And I just felt so justified as like this super nerdy Star Wars character that heard the sound and thought, oh, is that a crate dragon? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like. Like, that moment for me was just such a big Star Wars nerd moment where I was like, I was like, I haven't had something so satisfyingly pay off for me mm-hmm. in a while in Star Wars where I thought like, oh, is this this thing I've heard about or 
um, I've killed in a video game or whatever. And it was totally it. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Like, I was like, we have crate dragons <laughs> in Star Wars TV? Like, what a time to be alive. I was so... I was like... I was... I was, like, on essentially the verge of tears for the rest of the episode because I was just so happy. Like, uh-huh. the rest of the time, I'm just sitting here like, this is what we get. And I, like, have tears in my eyes because I'm just so happy watching this episode from yeah. here on. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. That was my, like... Yeah, dude. I hear <laughs> the passion away. in your voice and I love it. It was so exciting. Well, here's the thing about that is it's I'm really happy that do you remember a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about episodes one through four, Drew Miller wrote in and was like, I was a little disappointed when the mud horn turned out to be a mud horn and not a crate dragon. And I was like, what's a crate dragon? I've never heard of that. Mm -hmm. And you kind of explained it a little bit. And then we I'm watching this episode and he says crate dragon. And I'm like. I know what that is now. <laughs> so thanks, Drew. Thanks, Ben, for telling me what that is bef- so I could have this moment. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, dude, major, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of different vibes happening with this crate Dragon. Um, I haven't seen Tremors, but I've heard that people keep saying it's like Tremors. Um, yeah. uh, but then I got serious Jaws vibes with yes. uh, with whenever it came out of the sand and it ate <laughs> yeah, the Bantha. The Bantha. Poor Banthas, man. I know. Poor Banthas. Um, but uh, it also looks like um, the sandworm on Dune. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. like, all of these things, I think, and obviously Star Wars is super inspired by Dune. So, um, so okay, I want to talk about this flashback that we get with Cobb yeah. Vanth. I thought that this was awesome, and it was so quick. It wasn't long. What do you, what do you think? Three minutes, maybe? Something like that, yeah. My favorite part about it is that we've had a couple of glimpses into this particular thing back into season one where we uh, we get a glimpse into how people view the New Republic and view mm-hmm. how the world has been since the Empire has fallen. It's mm-hmm. been it's been a world more of chaos and mm-hmm. um, and you know, in my mind as a kid, and forever, I've watched the end of Return of the Jedi, and the good guys win, and everyone lives happily ever after in my mind. You know? Right. Um, the reality is, the First Order has to come about because of some reason. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that this show... In this, they are starting to bring in more and more things where it's like, no, okay, so the Empire's been defeated. We didn't even have time to celebrate. The Mining Collective came in and killed a bunch of people and enslaved the rest of us. And basically right after the Empire fell, the world went into – or the the universe went into chaos or the galaxy did. And – um really interesting like i love seeing what this post return of the jedi um world with what will come in what will turn into the new republic all of that i love seeing that in episode what is it 
six, we we're on a the, we're on a New Republic prison ship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very Imperial looking a little bit. It is. Um, in episode seven, I believe Werner Herzog's character um, talks about how do you see a good world out there? This is the world is chaos since mm-hmm. the Empire fell. With the Empire, there was peace, there was order, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. These are clearly just two bads <laughs> and yeah. kind of a thing. It's, At least that's that's how it's viewed. And yeah. so we see a specific instance of – because that never made sense to me. Like how could the Empire fall and the world go into chaos? Well, like this because there's not an order right now. So these people who have been held under the Empire's – you know, fingers for so long now are free to do whatever they want and get power. Mm-hmm. And so that makes total sense to me. I thought this was yeah. fascinating. And I really think that the Mandalorian is going to, in the future, give us a lot more of what happened between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, which is mm-hmm. badly needed. Yeah, I agree, man. And I think that, it, yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. It's like, the Empire fell, but, like, they fell to a rebellion. But the rebellion wasn't necessarily... It wasn't built like the Republic was, you know, before right. the Republic became the Empire, obviously. But, like, it wasn't, like, an organization that was helping different systems get, um, you know, get, like, food and protection and all of this stuff. The, re- the rebellion was just focused on taking down the empire. And so they didn't have occupation on any planets really. You know right. what I mean? Like they right. didn't have any kind of um any kind of system to say like okay, to so transition. Like this, yeah, there was no transition. There was no like powers there that like they worked with to say like hey, like we're taking down the empire on this day and then you you will take over this system or like mm-hmm. this this like cluster of systems or anything like that. So once the empire fell, it was essentially just anarchy because no uh no democracy, no nobody holding anybody accountable anymore, nothing. And so it's like really really like honestly really smart take mm-hmm. on the fallout after that, you know? Yes. Cuz you don't think about that until you watch something like this and you're like that actually makes a ton of sense. It like, does. It makes so much um, sense. It's not that the rebels were evil. Right. They just didn't have any plans. Right. It's like, you know. Um, it was like uh, the um, it was like when America was started. Yeah. <laughs> You'll yeah, yeah. be back. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, dude, I just thought that was so cool. I loved that scene, seeing the seeing everybody like celebrating as they got the news um, mm-hmm. that it happened. And then, Oh, uh, we're dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. The scene where he comes back to the cantina once he has the armor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just skipped over the Jawas part. The Jawas was part was super cool. I loved yeah. seeing him like laying there in the desert. Yeah. And you see this awesome shot of the, of the jaw, the, the sand crawler, moving, rolling up to him. It's such mm-hmm. a good shot. I loved it so much. Um, he trades those gems or whatever they're called, the crystals, for mm-hmm. for the Mandalorian's armor or for Boba Fett's armor, um, which they had, which is really interesting. Another little thing where it's like, okay, 
they're definitely leading us here. <laughs> um, yeah. And then Cobb goes back to the town, mm-hmm. goes into the cantina like a, this is such a Western dude. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He it gives, really is. by the way, we didn't talk about it. The, uh, the, the bartender guy, he yeah. is, he's a weak way who is, which is, I think that's how you say it, right? Weak way. Actually, I'm not sure. I've seen his race before, but mm-hmm. yeah. He is Hondo's, he is of Hondo's race. Yes. Uh, and it was really nice to see. I love that. So, mm-hmm. so Cobb gives a little nod to the bartender and is like, back up, like take cover basically. And mm-hmm. he, it's an, it's a shoot 'em up right yeah. here in, in this uh, saloon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the cantina. <laughs> and it is so, so Western. It's crazy. And yeah. it's wonderful. What were your thoughts of that scene? Dude, it was great. And I love how, like, he gets shot in the chest. It just hits the best car. And he's like, oh, I'm fine. And then just shoots mm-hmm. the guy. Yep. Um, yeah, you're right, though. It's like this, like, fully this is a Western moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mm. agree, dude. It was really cool. And also, I kind of <laughs> uh, I thought it was funny that he essentially destroyed the mining collective uh, with their own money. Pretty funny. Um, what do you mean by he that? Pays, he pays for the armor and everything. Oh, with the right, money right, he right. Stole from them. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's like he goes, trades it in, and then he's like, "All right, well, destroying you with the spoils of your own." No, <laughs> yeah, that's whatever. That's great. That's yeah. a good point. Um, um, so he goes outside, and mm-hmm. while they're all trying to get away on their ship, yeah, <laughs> the ones he, he didn't kill him. already. <laughs> He shoots the rocket, which we haven't seen in live action before. Yeah. And um, let's just say that was special. And it was, it was. Uh, that was the Iron Man moment that I was that thinking was. of. Yep. My, I honestly, too. I wanted him to turn around and walk away. I was waiting I for that, but it didn't happen. <laughs> it would have been too on the nose. A little bit too on the, the nose. Yeah. But I was waiting for it. Um, yeah. It was great the way it happened. I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. So... Do you have any other thoughts going into this next this next part? Um, no, I mean, I, I think we, we could go ahead and just really quickly mention kind of interspliced with him telling this backstory was him riding on a speeder that was made of a piece of a pod racer. And it looked like it a looks piece of Anakin's like pod racer. Anakin's. It's not confirmed, but it it's, looks like it. The model uh, is similar. It's different colors. So, yes. but it could have been painted. I feel like it's just up for interpretation, but that is yeah. definitely like it's, you know, when you look at the pod racers in episode one, mm-hmm. all of the pod racers are vastly different looking. They like are. all of the engines on them are totally, if you look at, and there's a shot, there's several shots, obviously, of Anakin's next to like, say, Sebulba's. They this look is so small. This is so small. It's totally different. It looks like Anakin's. It, it really, really does. So, like, it, it very well could be, like, it was just, like, in a junkyard somewhere. And, yep. and he just, you know, he painted it or it was already painted. Um, because, you know, he sold it. Yeah. At the end, you know, after he won the race, he sold the pod. And right. um, was able to get uh, some money for Qui-Gon and them. And mm-hmm. so, like, that, I mean, it's very... Plausible. It's super possible. Super mm-hmm. possible. Regardless, 
I don't care whose it was, he made a speeder out of a pod racer engine. And this is the part where I was th- talking about earlier where I was like, this is the one thing in this episode that was, if you want to call it shoehorned in. Yeah. Um, and for no narrative purpose. Mm-hmm. And I'm a here for it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, when you do such a good with the uh, a good job with the other stuff, mm-hmm. I'm okay. Like, then you have some leverage. You have some uh, equity built up. Give us a freebie. You know what I mean? Like, right. End Avengers Endgame. It gave us tons of uh, of uh, Easter eggs, and it gave us tons of fan service type moments that were important to the narrative, but it also, because of the equity that MCU has built up over the last 12 years was, it was able to, they just gave us some that were not necessary, but boy, they were awesome. (laughs) And I was all here for it, you know? And so it's that kind of thing. John Favreau did such a good job with all the rest of it in this episode that I was like, I'm so happy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that was the only one. And it, uh, it's, I'm good with it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so do you have another thought? No, uh, I was going to say like, uh, the next part, oh, go was, for it. um, the next part was basically where they come across the, we, we kind of touched on it earlier where they come across these dogs, um, dog things. I can't, do you know the name of them? Are they Tukata or are they? Demo dogs is what they are. I believe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stranger Things. Um, hold on. Let me. I'm looking. Hold on. Because I, I, at first when I saw them, I thought they were Tukata, but then I was like, that might be wrong because those are from Korriban, not Tatooine. Massifs is what it says. Massifs. Okay. On, on what, Wik- I was like, I don't think they are Tukata, but anyways. I have it pulled up on Wikipedia, and it says they encounter a pack of Massifs. Yes. Okay. So, cool. Yeah. Or massifs, yeah. if <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> massifs. Yeah. Um, yeah. They encounter this pack of massifs or massives. Mm-hmm. And uh, at first, it's like, oh, shoot, what are they going to do? And then mm-hmm. Mando's just like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, again, I mean, this, this really just kind of uh, was more like, more of him knowing the culture and all that stuff. Um, and like befriending the sand people and then Cobb just being like, are you serious? Like you're just your buds with this, with mm-hmm. these things. Like, and then whenever the sand people came around the corner and he started talking to them, it also blew his mind, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that was really cool. Um, to sort of see like someone else watch him interact in this way with the sand people. They're like, what? Yeah. Like like these people kill and pillage and all of this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, have you ever talked to him? Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's like, yeah, they're brutal, but I mean, like, they got cool stories. (laughs) (laughs) Um, by the way, small touch. Uh, I don't think we have to bring it up every single time that we see it, but every time we see the sand people going anywhere um, on Banthas, they are in single file, mm-hmm. which is brought up. I think is is, is it in episode four. Yeah, or? yeah, it's brought up in the in uh, in the original movie. Um, yeah, the, yeah, sand, they uh, travel. Yeah, 
they, in single file to hide their to numbers. hide their numbers. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I did notice that, and I thought that was very well done on their part. That mm-hmm. I mean, ev- do the detail. Yeah. The detail, even down to like the the sand people like brushing the bantha's teeth with a with their little with a gaffy with stick. A, the stick, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, that's what they would do with that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, these details are everywhere, and I love this. They did not uh, they did not underthink one thing in this episode. No, uh, so good, man. I love the scene with them around the fire. And um, coming up next, they're around the campfire, kind of talking about what to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, Cobb offends the sand people by not drinking their water and being like, I knew this was a bad idea. Like, like the, clearly, and this is getting into one of the best parts of the episode, is that these two types of people who are going to have to work together to defeat mm-hmm. this thing um, are – they don't want to initially. They're going to right. have to find it within themselves to do it. And even Cobb Vant is not like on board right away. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice touch. It wasn't like right away. He was like, okay, yeah. let's do it. Blah, blah, blah. Like he, yes. he had to be convinced and then he was able to convince his people. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really, really well done. It would have been too easy the other way, but I yeah. liked how Mando was like, he, he was, you know, he basically said, if we continue to fight amongst ourselves, it's going to kill us. <laughs> yeah. So how do we, he said, how do we kill it? <laughs> yes. And I thought that the way he said that was very, like, really cool. Like, how do mm-hmm. we kill it? And so he, thoughts on that scene? Dude, I, um. I loved the scene. I thought it was really well acted. I thought, like you said, it felt like an earned sort of convincing, you know, as opposed to him just being like, yeah, we're working with the sand people now. Cool. Mm -hmm. Great. They've killed a lot of friends I know, but fine. Yep. (laughs) You know, like, like it it really was like there was tension. There was arguing there, all that stuff. And yeah, um, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Sort of see uh, the the way that Mando here, uh, like handled it, mm-hmm. I thought was really, really cool too. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. Um, I also, um, I also love that we keep on getting random little reaction shots from baby Yoda. <laughs> um, so many reaction shots from baby Yoda. So many new gifts to come. Oh um, my gosh. Where he's like, <laughs> where in the pot in the in well no where they're the drive where they're oh. driving and he's like it's like he's oh. like a dog holding his head out the window in his, his ears, ears flapping <laughs> yeah oh so good oh my gosh that he's never been cuter and that's saying something <laughs> yeah yeah lots of great little reaction shots and the one in this this uh, scene that made me think of it was whenever Mando does like he shoots his fire out of his wrist and uh, and he's just like maybe I was just standing there like ah, kind of just like staring at it. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I love that this show every time uh, Baby Yoda makes a sound, the subtitles. I watch everything with subtitles. I'm an old person, and it says um, it just says like cooing or like <laughs> baby or like or like uh, ch- her the child 
coos or something like that. Coos. <laughs> like what a great res- uh, way to describe the sounds he makes. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I love. Um, you know, okay, so the next the next part um, kind of it made me think of something, and I don't know if it's in canon or not. But so at least in Knights of the Old Republic. Um, that's the only place I can think of that I heard this, but it was in the same quest where like you're going to kill the crate dragon and all that stuff. So what happens in that quest was that you're not helping the sand people kill the crate dragon. You and, um, another hunter essentially are, um, trying to take down this crate dragon cause you need to get into the cave, but the okay. hunter just wants the pearl. So you kind of help each other. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but the issue is that you have to bait the uh, crate dragon out. And right. how do you do that? With a bantha. So that's all very similar. Here's the issue, though. In that game, the sand people consider banthas to be sacred right. creatures. Okay. And so whenever they see that you are tampering with the banthas, essentially, um, they attack you. So this is what I, th- what I thought was really interesting is that the sand people are totally willing to try and sacrifice like a lot of banthas uh-huh. um, in this episode. And so I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know if I have an answer, but I don't know if there's a canon piece of material that tells us whether or not they consider um, banthas sacred. I know in the game they did, um, but that was just something, that was like my one thing in this episode where I was like, that's interesting. They're just so willing to like, sacrifice their banthas um because you know in different cultures like cows are sacred right and stuff like that and so like they don't sacrifice them because of that i think right so it's like yeah i don't know i just i thought that was interesting and i could be totally wrong but you know that's that whole expanded universe kind of confusing me now that it's not canon but um, well that's one of those things that they probably you know, there's a lot of things in the expanded universe that they're now bringing in, but there's also a lot that they're not bringing in. Right. And so exactly. it probably just is like one of those things that's inconsequential. Like it doesn't really. Yeah. At this point, what's important to the sand people is that it stops, is that this thing stops killing them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if they have to sacrifice a few banthas to get this thing killed, then so be it. Right. You know, and it uh, turns out some, it sacrifices a lot of sand people too. Um, yes, but that's kind of how I took it. And that's a great point, but that's kind of how I took it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, and by the way, we see, uh, that while they're outside, first of all, the escape for one of the Tuscan Raiders does not go well. (laughs) Yeah. He trips twice <laughs> trying to run away. The poor guy he looks back several times. He was a goner yeah. right from the start. And it goes for him instead of the bantha. <laughs> it was yes. so sad. He's like, but really I think is. they're probably open to new ideas. Um, but this is a sarlacc pit. Yeah. Which is super cool. It's an abandoned sarlacc pit. And Cobb was like, I've been around Tatooine for all my life. And there's no such thing as an abandoned Sarlacc pit. And Din is like, there is if you eat the Sarlacc. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what the it's like, Kray Dragon probably did. Um, yeah. Crazy. Like, what? Yeah. That's what we're dealing with here. Something that ate a Sarlacc. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, dude, okay, the next scene was really cool. Um, they go back to the, the town um, on mm-hmm. the speeders. They talk to the people. Um, because <laughs> because Din volunteered the village, uh, the village people for this mission to help along to help out, and mm-hmm. so they're trying to convince them to help, and you know they're basically saying that this basically they the people are not on board because they're because the sand people are monsters. They raided their village. They raided their mines, mm-hmm. and um and they are just you know what fairly so like. I mean, rightly so. They are they are not on board with this, right? And Din says some really cool things here. He says, "I know these people. They are brutal, but so is the Dune Sea. Yeah, they've survived for thousands of years in these sands, and they know the Crate Dragon better than anyone here. They are raiders. Yeah. It's true, but they also keep their word. We have struck a deal. If we are willing to leave them." the carcass and its ricker, they will stand with by our side in battle and vowed never to raise a blaster against this town until one of you breaks the peace. Yeah. Really insightful stuff here. Cause I, what I love is that Din does not just say, you don't, y'all don't understand these people. They're really nice. <laughs> like that's not yeah. what he's saying. He's saying they are brutal. I know they are. They are raiders. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dune Sea is also brutal, and they've survived it out there for thousands of years. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we are going to need their help, and we've yeah. struck a deal. And so like, I thought that was such a cool thing to see. We both need each other right now. Yeah. And these people are the only people that are going to help us, or our city is – I mean our town could literally be just eaten in one swallow by this thing. Right. <laughs> and so – you know what I mean? Like – yeah thought it was really really well written and well said yeah i agree dude i think yeah uh, that whole thing i thought that that line of dialogue was written so well and i love it because like yeah din is such a quiet and like he's like a quiet brute sort of in some ways but we we get these glimpses sometimes of him just like um showing like real wisdom Mm -hmm. um and like real leadership and I think that it's really cool to see in such a, um, I don't know, such a so, so seemingly quiet um, character, you know? Right. So I, I love that, man. Um, yeah, me too. I think it was really, really well well written and well executed for sure. Yeah. And so next comes the, uh, the Tusken Raiders riding into town, single file. Mm-hmm. The music at this part. Oh my gosh, right? Y'all, it's so good. It's like this really cool um, Arabian, for lack of mm-hmm. a better wor- wor- term. I feel like that really fits the style that they that they did. Um, yeah, it, it's like it's Arabian Nights. <laughs> like that's yeah. what I think. That's what I think of. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That harmonic minor kind of a feel. Um, yes. Music nerd, you get it. Um, so what? It's like do- they have their own theme, kind of. You know. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. 
the yeah. the music here is just beautiful. It's so cool and sets the vibe. And what I love this next part, you're seeing them attempting to work together, not going so well. They get into mm-hmm. a bit of a scuffle and um, one of the sand people drops one of the bombs and one of the townspeople is yeah. like, what are you doing? That's a bomb, you idiot. Bah! Like He's yeah. losing his mind. Um, and I loved um, I loved Cobb's reaction here. He he pulls the sand the, he pulls the Tuscan Raider back, talks to his person, and he's like, "It was an accident. It was an accident. Mm-hmm. Leave it be." Yeah, and he backs up to Din. And he's like, "It's gonna be great." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Cobb Vance's character is so much fun to watch. Like he he, he really like. I I really I don't think that we're not going to see him again. I feel like Timothy Oliphant's too big of a name to. Well, not they set get. it up later. Yeah, they set it up later when when he says, um, "I hope our paths cross again." Yeah, I think that yeah. they will. Yeah, I do too. I think that his character was really, really great and really like entertaining to watch. And yeah. also, I just thought it was really interesting. And like moments like that are really great. Like mm-hmm. he's got great personality. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfectly casted for this role. Okay. Yeah. From here on out, I don't have any, hardly any notes. Okay. Um, it's just spectacle. This, you know, this episode is 52 minutes long or 55, uh, something like that. That is the longest episode we've had. Yeah. And they spent a good chunk of the time. There's action throughout for sure. But there's also a lot of downtime, like a lot of character moments, a lot of like dialogue, setting stuff mm-hmm. up. Um, but all leading up to this final, I don't know, 15 minutes or so. And let me tell you, all of the action here is in, is just incredible and it's so earned. Um, yeah. Dude. The budget that they must have on this show. Okay. Like, I don't understand how we get this as a TV show. <laughs> no. It, it It's like, it's blockbuster level. I mean, like, it really is. And, like, it, it looks better than some movies out mm-hmm. there. Um, this entire sequence, which, by the way... So they go up. I don't. I don't know if you caught this. I, I think it's obvious whenever the it, aspect like, ratio. Yeah, when the mm-hmm. aspect ratio changes back, it's really obvious. But yes. when it first changes, it's not as obvious. I didn't notice when it happened. I'm actually watching right now. I'm waiting to see. Like, okay, when does this happen? It's literally as the sand people are running away from the crate dragon, okay. and it's about to pop up. You see the aspect ratio kind of increase mm. in size as the as the dragon emerges okay and like you see more of the dragon essentially it's really well done um and uh, did they like shoot it on an imax camera or something that's what i that's what i've seen people saying that it, that's it looks like it it looks yeah. insanely good yeah because like they changed it for that and then it goes back to it mm-hmm. for the obvious you know the end yeah the, the end um <laughs> but dude yeah like it's so so cool whenever that 
like it's so cool whenever the aspect ratio changes and it comes up and all that stuff. But something else that's really awesome here is whenever the dragon goes away and when he comes back and he's like on top of the mountain. Oh my God. It was like a terrifying moment. <laughs> Dude, the acid. Oh my gosh, yes. He starts like spitting acid at them. <laughs> my jaw was on the floor. I was like, well, those people just disappeared. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're gone. Like they're just done. Um Ugh. golly, dude. Like so um so well done. It the effects look amazing on this dragon. Um it looks flawless. And I think it was really, really cool to do it. Um, I watch a lot of like the VFX artists react mm. videos that are on YouTube and stuff like that. A lot of shots, especially whenever you're working with like a TV show on a budget and stuff like that, you want to try to be smart with uh, the kind of lighting that you use and stuff like mm. that for a big creature like this because it can so easily look fake. Um, that's why in Jurassic Park, for instance, most of it's at night. Mm. Um and they light it so that really they only have to be really detailed for these certain little parts of it. Right. Um, it's really smart, but this is like broad daylight. Right in out, your face. Right in your face. And it looks amazing. And yeah, they cover like most of its body isn't showing for like ever, um, uh, because of like sand and all that stuff, which right. I think is actually a really smart, uh, probably because to, of budget, but yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a yeah. really smart way to go about it. Uh huh. Um, it worked so well, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's so cool. Um, what did you think whenever he's like holding the, uh, well, actually first, before I ask you that, whatever he's, uh, he's like, they've got the Bantha and they're trying to distract him and all that stuff. And, uh, like, what are we going to do? And then he's like, go take care of the kid or whatever. He's like, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. He hits the jetpack and he does the same thing that Boba dies from. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I did notice susceptible to this. (laughs) Yeah. That is, uh, definitely a major design flaw in this, in in Boba's armor for sure. I'm sure that was fixed for Din's model. (laughs) Right. <laughs> that it really is hilarious. Um yeah, great. Yeah. That part was that part was really funny. <laughs> I loved that. I love the shots of the I'm watching it now. I love the shots of the sand people being pulled up in the air by the ropes that yes. they're just really great shots. That it's yeah. it's kind of humorous a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also really sad. Oh, and there's the acid. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Okay, so actually, this is another. I think it may have been budget, but also maybe just smart working. Um, (laughs) Anything that you see the dragon essentially affecting people with, whether it be acid rain being pulled up on ropes, stuff like that, it's usually sand people. Um, I don't see a lot of the townspeople getting hurt by the crate dragon. I think I saw more of them get hurt, uh, get, um, I think I saw more of them get, uh, killed by the acid once it went up on top of the hill. Yeah. But definitely more sand people. I, for sure. And I think it's to create less work because if you're doing 
all the townspeople, that means you're having to create a CG model of each of these town people instead of uh, just one to model be affected by that. Yeah. Instead of using the same sand person model mm-hmm. or like a couple of models to make them look like whatever and be able to use those. Right. It's probably just a smart workaround, honestly, to give us more budget in different places. So what um, I just saw, I just saw that part and what it looks like is actually really smart the the uh, the people who were affected by the acid were turned facing away from the camera, yep. so you really couldn't tell if it was sand people or humans for the yeah. most or yeah for the most part. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. So, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, like, like, like that, when dude. I, yeah, yeah. Because cool. well, I saw somebody bring up like like man, the only people getting killed are the sand people, <laughs> and I was like, I was like. I bet there's a reason for that. Yeah, like, it makes it's sense. Not that, it's not that he has a special appetite for sand people. You know, it's yeah. like, I'm sure it was just mostly, it's just easier to animate yeah. multiple sand people getting killed than it is to create yeah. CG models for each of the townspeople and all that. Yeah. Go back um, and watch that. You can see they're they're facing away from the camera. Yeah. It's, it's Their about backs are turned. Pop up right yeah. Dude, I love seeing... Din and um, Cobb flying with the jetpack yes. together up to the top there. It's just a, a really shot that looks amazing. Pure Star Wars bliss fun moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And that moment where they turn around and it's actually behind them. Oh. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, they're going to die. Like they, they can't keep up with it. Yeah. yeah. It's just um, so cool, dude. It really is, man. I yeah. And, Go ahead. When he gets, like, eaten. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. I was legitimately just like, I can't wait to see what's about to happen. Yeah. Don't you know, know he's gonna not going to die. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But I'm excited. And then when he, like, shocks himself out uh-huh. and then um, detonates it. Yeah. So good. And again, like, I can rave on this all I want. But, like, the effects looked so good. The shock wave that went out and all that stuff. And then the shot of... Mando landing, it's like that's the money shot when he oh like my gosh. lands and slides toward the camera or whatever. <laughs> it's like, that's the hero shot right there. The hero shot, man. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. What a cinematic. It is. It's it's just segment. pure. This is one of those things, dude. I feel like John Favreau. You know, he didn't get to direct an episode last year, last mm-hmm. season, and I feel like because he was doing um, Lion King, mm-hmm. I believe. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I feel like he's been sitting on this idea of an episode for a long mm-hmm. time. Yep. And I feel like he was just like, what are the things that I've always wanted to do? <laughs> what are all of the things that I've always wanted to do? Yeah. And he did them. <laughs> yes. Like all of them. <laughs> and so yes. I just feel like John Favreau is just in his bag of toys in this in this episode. And we've talked about John Favreau approaches Star Wars like someone playing in their with playground his figures, with his yeah. action figures playing on the playground uh pretending pretending uh any puddle of water is Dagobah. Like that that's what I did when I was a kid. Um Mhm. I don't know, like, I just feel that's what he's in. He's, he's playing with his action figures in Star Wars world. And, and, but at the same time, he's strong enough as an actual writer to create something that is deeper than just fun. Yes. It is fun, but dude, 
this whole story was just wonderful from beginning to end. Like, yeah. it was it was exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know I wanted this, but I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you're exactly right. Yeah. Like, I really, I mean, like, as I've said, The Mandalorian's incredible. I just didn't expect this level. No. Especially in the first episode. Like... <laughs> Um, remember we talked about in the finale of season one, we were like, this just is on another level. It's like, it's, it, it, the stakes are amped up and like, dude, this is the scale of this is huge compared to the finale of season one. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Huge. Crazy. Um, the, I love it that whenever the sand people are digging around and everything, they find a crate dragon pearl. It's really fun to see different people's reactions to this. This is one of the parts I love watching reactions for. Because, like, you know the nerds who, like, played Knights of the Old Republic and stuff when they're like, oh, it's a pearl! Or yeah. whatever. And then everyone else is like, oh, it's an egg. What's up with creatures wanting the eggs of everything in the yep. show? Like, yep. you know, like... Yep. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, it's, a, it's a crate dragon pearl. and Which is I, uh, really, really valuable, right? Yeah, it's super valuable. That's basically the whole point of it. Um, right. It is funny in uh, Night Shield Republic. You can actually get, you can actually put it in your lightsaber as like one of your lightsaber crystals. Ooh. So it's like a lot smaller in like in Night Shield Republic. Uh-huh. But um, but it, yeah, it's but the the fact remains that it's like super valuable. I just ended up selling it because I got so much money for it. Um, so yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we got to talk about the. Well, first of all, I love the scene where, you know, they're talking at the end. I love that Cobb just like is a man of his word and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, here you go. Here's here's this is my end of the deal. You held up your end of the deal. I hope we I hope we see each other again. Basically, I hope our paths cross again. And and he gives him the armor and then is like me, too. I feel mm-hmm. like they're I feel like they have a brewing uh, bromance coming up. Um, me, too. Uh, a good friendship. Uh, I love that Din is going to these planets, these distant planets, and he's making friends all across the galaxy. I think it's just like such a cool thing. And at any point, you could bring any one of them back into the show, and it would it will make sense. You know what I mean? I th- I yeah. think it's a very smart idea. Um, but I loved that moment because it was like he's not like a scoundrel, really. He's just yeah. like he's an honorable man defending his town and. He made a deal. He made a bargain and he kept up his end of the bargain. You know, mm-hmm. I just thought that was really nice. I liked it. And I also really like seeing everybody celebrating together, both types of people celebrating together that they defeated the beast. You know? Yes. That was really cool. I love that, man. So Mando speeds away on his speeder. The aspect ratio goes back to widescreen, um, goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it pans to the two sons, the twin sons, and from behind, we see watching Din drive away on the speeder mm-hmm. with his armor. We see a bald figure uh, dressed in an awesome way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he turns around, and it is Tamura Morrison. Yeah. It is Boba Fett. Yeah. What was your reaction here? <laughs> I like, I was, I was saying that cause man, this, this episode did such a great job handling this. So 
like I can't tell you my reaction until I like I kind of explain the build up a little bit because you have the beginning. It's like there's a there's a Mandalorian on Tatooine. I've heard or whatever. You're like, oh, it's Boba Fett. Yeah. But then whenever you see Cobb Vanth, you're like, okay. So basically, they're confirming like Boba's dead. He got the armor. Like it's you know. Yeah. This is where we're at now. But they still drop these little things, like mentioning the Sarlacc. They didn't have to mention a Sarlacc at all. Or its digestive mention- or its digestive patterns. No. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, they didn't have to mention any of that. Yeah. Um, they even were like, yeah, but the Kray Dragon ate the Sarlacc. And it was like, oh, well, there's no way he even at all survived if that's true. Like, You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> But and then you get this moment. It's like... What? Like, <laughs> and, and a little part of you is like, I knew it. And you don't believe it until you see his face. And you see Tamira Morrison. Morrison? Mm-hmm. Morrison? Morrison. Morrison, yeah. You see his face and you're like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't believe it. I mean, yeah. like, it has to be, it has to be him. Um, Because, I mean, the only other option is if it's like a random rogue clone, but like, why? It's you too know, young like, to it's too young to be Rex. It's too young to be Rex. Or any of the other clones that we know, the clone troopers from the from, from the, the, show. the from the war, uh the clone yep. wars. Um yeah. It, it 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 would have to be just a random rogue mm-hmm. clone, but it has to be his age, which doesn't really exist, right? Right. He's he's the only one that is his age yeah. because he was his aging was slowed. So, was like to a normal human. Yeah. So, okay, here's my thing. I've heard a couple of different people say different things. There's, I think the vast majority um, think that he is going to be in more than just this episode. Um, but I think I might fall in line with more of another line of thought, which is that because I think if you look at IMDb, I think Tamara Morrison is only on f- there for one episode of The Mandalorian. So I think it's more likely. I'd be okay if it's not this way, but I think it's more likely that he is an Easter egg for the people who catch it at the end just to say he's alive, essentially. Like, that's supposed to be your big takeaways. Like, He's alive there, um, and in canon, you know, like, mm. and that, and it be kind of this fun thing at the end of the episode. Um, I think that more things could happen with Boba's armor. Like, I think like maybe they get some info from it somehow or something, um, and all of that stuff. But I don't know if they actually use him again. Again, it's I just hear I've heard a couple of different people say this where it's like. People say, well, he's only on there for one episode, so I think it might be more of an Easter egg thing where you get this big reveal moment, but he's kind of be kind of inconsequential to the rest of the season. But then I think most people, understandably, think, why would they do that? You yeah, know? That's where I kind of am. Um, and I think, honestly, the reason I'm slightly leaning to the other side of the camp is because I don't want to be disappointed. Like, I I would rather yeah. just kind of accept that it's an Easter egg and then be delighted that it's not um, than, you know, build up yeah. my hopes for what Boba Fett being alive in this season could be. 
Um, because at the end of the at the end of the day, I think the reason I can sort of start to see why they would do this um, builds whenever I think about how they have been telling the stories from the beginning. Is like this is a story about new characters in this show. We have the Mandalorian, we have the child, they are our main characters, and then we have a few other side characters. How were that how would they bring in Boba with it still being about the Mandalorian? I think it's very possible. I'm just thinking like the show is about them, so I think it could make sense for them to be able to bring him in for this little like, oh, he's alive, and then kind of just leave it and keep telling the story of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, because I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there is a there is a scenario that's possible where Mando can meet up with Boba at some mm-hmm. point. They meet up with each other, and Boba gives Mando some information that he needs. Mm-hmm. And Mando gives him his armor back. You know, I can see that. Yeah, and it could just be a one episode thing. Mm-hmm. Like, because I don't know how casting stuff works on like IMDb and stuff, but like if you're only in one episode on IM, or like if you're only in signed up to be in one episode, does that qualify as being in an episode? <laughs> like, like yeah. I mean, he's in it, but it's like a cameo. Like, Luke was in The Force Awakens, but wasn't really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I, he, I feel like he's... If if they got Tamira Morrison, I have such a hard time believing. It's just for this shot. It's just for this shot. Like, I, I have... I agree. I think I'm just afraid to get my hopes up, man. I understand. Like, <laughs> well, keep, also, keep that mindset then. But I, yeah. that's, I just have a hard time believing it. I also do think that this is this would be a great opportunity to give us more to give fans more closure on Boba's story. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. Um because if they actually end up telling a compelling story for him um in the season or in the show in general, um that could be really cool, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm excited to see where they go with it, but I'm yeah. also kind of prepared for it to just be a one-off and kind of trying to make my peace with that just in case. Cause Dude, I, I get it. Because, like, you know, seeing all of the other cast of characters that we have possibly in this season um, based off of, like, castings and all that stuff and what we've seen so far, it's true. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to think where they're going to fit in the Boba story. You know, right. Um, so, so at that point, I just yeah. trust John and Dave. In John and Dave, we trust. I I agree. But yeah, um, man, what a moment though. Yeah, and they it, did a great job on like making him look kind of rough and like. Oh, yeah. dude, he looks so cool. He looks yeah. so freaking cool. <laughs> and that's how Boba always looks, right? <laughs> right, Boba's. <laughs> If nothing else, Boba's cool looking. <laughs> yeah. So that's the episode, y'all. Uh, do you have any other stray thoughts about it before we get into – I have a grade for it, like a ranking for it. If you, I don't know if you do. Oh, I have a – yeah, yeah, I have a ranking. Cool. 
So, um, do you have any other stray thoughts? I don't think so. Um, I mentioned everything I wrote down. Gosh, this is just such a good episode. I know. It's so good, man. So, let's get into this. Let's do our grades, okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, what would you grade this episode? Dude, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. Wow. This is a 10 out of 10, and the reason being, I can't think of anything wrong. Yeah. It didn't, like, conf- it didn't confuse me. It told a very coherent, well-done story. It was well-paced. Um, the acting was really good. The camera work was beautiful. The writing was great. Music was great. I just, characters grew, characters got more depth. Like, yeah. I don't know what, like, where the flaw is in this episode. Yeah. Like, it's been so long since I watched an episode of television where I literally can't find anything to complain about, you know? Yeah. So, 10 I out of 10, what? 10. Uh, 10 out of 10, uh, Crate Dragon Pearls. Nice. Um, okay. I am going to give this a 9.5 gallons of stomach acid (laughs) (laughs) very nice okay it's not a 10 for me here's why it's so close and honestly if i look for a problem with it i have a hard time my biggest critique about this episode and i didn't even get into it because i don't care (laughs) quite frankly (laughs) i don't care because the thing is it's it's familiar okay okay not only is it familiar in like, okay, this is a classic Western story trope, right? We've seen this story a hundred times in a hundred different Western movies. I don't care about that, right? That's what this show is. It takes all sorts of different Western genres and story ideas and it sets them in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for, okay? It's familiar slightly within the Mandalorian show. If you just look at the premise of this episode, it's actually similar to the sanctuary episode. Yeah. You know, I can see that it's a bigger scale. I think, um, it's different. There are plenty of differences for sure, Mm -hmm. but the basic premise of the episode is familiar within the show itself. And so if anything, like, I hope they don't do that too much. Yeah. You know what I mean? I hope they don't recycle their own ideas several times. So I totally get that. Yeah. But here's here's my little rebuttal against it. Okay. I get it. And I and I, I see it too. Like I like whenever I was watching it, I was like, this reminds me a little bit of episode four. But like here's the thing though, I feel like it more so for the same reasons actually that it's not too familiar to go back to Tatooine. Uh, because it deepens it. Like, it deepens Tatooine, or it expands upon Tatooine. Um, I think that what this episode does is it actually expands on the Mandalorian's experiences and says, like, I've done this before. I can actually help these people essentially be able to take on this dragon. But the thing is, in episode four, he was teaching common people how to fight 
Whereas in this one, it was more so he was trying to teach people how to get along with others. Hmm, you know what I mean? Good point. I like that. That's um, cool. It was like trying to bring two different groups of people who are very different and are actually enemies most of the time, trying to get them yeah. to work together yeah. and kind of move past their differences. He wasn't like raising up an army of um, these people necessarily. It was more so two groups of people who are very different and are usually against each other, having to come together against a common good hmm. or uh, against a common evil. I mean, <laughs> common um, good. <laughs> well, <laughs> not what I meant. <laughs> um, from a certain point of view, <laughs> from a certain point of view. Um, <laughs> if you're on the great dragon side, no. Yeah. So that's why I would rebuttal it is yeah. that it's like, yes, it's similar, but it's more so I think that it's actually similar in a good way because it's like we've seen him be able to work with a group of people before yeah. in this way, but it's also in a very different context. And I think it just more so builds on his past experiences. So yes, that's why I would rebuttal it. Great points. But I think that it's a yeah. fair ranking, though. Yes. I mean, listen, I gave him a 9.5. Um, <laughs> um, no, you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe you hate this episode. <laughs> it's it, it really, like, that. those are great points. But the, uh, uh, what, I guess the only thing that sticks out in my mind is I hope that they don't make a pattern of that. Does that make sense? Because it you're does. right. I love what you said about he's teaching these people to fight in this episode, but in this episode, he's teaching them to get along and mm -hmm. fight the common enemy, which is mm -hmm. a really, really cool juxtaposition. I think that's a really great point. Um, but it's 9.5 because it, I, I want to reserve 10 for something that has a little more to do with the overarching Stuff Story. with like Moff Gideon and the Darksaber and stuff like that. I just feel like we might, if this is the first episode, I don't know. I tend to be really hard to give a 10. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's hard for me to give a 10. Yeah. And I think that I I will later, which is why I don't want to yet. So I'm just saying a 9.5. Yeah. I think that's fair. And I, yeah. and I totally get it. I, I think my way of ranking usually is like I look at it as an individual thing. Sure. Because, yeah, like I could, I think that compared to another um, episode, it may not be as good or something like that. Yeah. But looking at it on its own, I can say pretty confidently, I feel like this is a 10 out of 10 mm. episode for me. So, yeah, I like that. Love it. 10 and 9.5. I love it. Good start to a season. <laughs> yeah, that's all right, I suppose. Guys, we want to know what you think about it. So, are you are you ready to get into this Facebook stuff? Yeah, I'm on it. Okay, let's do it. You want to read the first one? Sure. So let's just we're not going to read all the comments for each post. We'll just right. read the individual comment and then move past it. Unless yeah. you find something that is worth. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Um. So let's see here, Drew Miller, obviously. First to comment. Uh, <laughs> love you, love Drew. you, Drew. Uh, he said uh, he put a bunch of flame emojis first, and then he said, "I really can't wait for your thoughts on this, Michael. This chapter, as it. an opener, is right on par with the season one opener. Uh, some true fan service here and there, but ninety percent of it served the plot. It seems 
that my crate dragon prediction was partially correct. I did not see that little ending coming though. They really upped the Western vibe and it totally worked. I've watched a lot of gun smoke with my mom and I was feeling that a little bit. I thought <laughs> a return to Tatooine would be all too familiar, but I was wrong. Mm. We were able to see some of some all new places and situations as well as the Tuscan Raiders scene from chapter five be totally paid off. All I could think of during the battle was KOTOR from the Bantha bait uh, to the explosion tactic and the Pearl as well. Oh, and Tremor slash Jaws. So yeah, oh, it's like, there we go. Jaws. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, mm. I would agree. Yeah. Dude, I, I totally agree. And Drew, you wanted my thoughts. Um, I loved it. <laughs> I, you just heard them all, but I love it. I, I completely agree. It's it like what I love that we got this episode that was on Tatooine. And it was not familiar. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, OK, like I said, the story premise was familiar, but it being on Tatooine, it was not – this episode explored a territory and it explored the Dune Sea mm -hmm. more than we have. In, and we're always in Mos Eisley, right? Or what's the other one? Mos Espa? Is that what it is? Mos Espa? Yeah. We, we always see these, these like – these towns in, in uh, these like spaceports, right? But we don't see a whole lot of stuff in the actual Dune Sea except for the Sarlacc Pit and Return of the Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that we got to actually explore this and learn about Tusken Raiders and learn about this new uh, – uh, this mining colony, like all of this stuff, it's so cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I loved it. I loved it, man. Zach Smith, I forgot how much I loved that the episodes aren't rushed. It goes slow and I enjoy it so much. And the way they ended this episode was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, they that. really took their time on this one. What I love about this show is that they go um, – they do the length of the episode that they feel the episode needs. Last season, we had an episode that was 28 minutes running time. Mm -hmm. This season, we got a 55-minute running time. Yes. <laughs> we'll see what the next one is. It could be 30 minutes. It could be 15 minutes. It's not going to be 15 minutes, but it could be. I would be very sad. Um, but what I love is that, especially on the rewatch, I saw that now that I know what the show is, none of these episodes that are shorter felt like they needed to be longer. They told a complete mm -hmm. story within the episode, you know, and I didn't need anything else. Um, but I do love when we get longer episodes. Yeah, For same. sure. I 100% agree, man. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Josh Mooney, he said, ah, I really want to read your comments, but I haven't watched it yet. He commented um, down later he did watch it. Oh, did he? Yeah, so we'll let's get to here. his. We'll yeah, get to, okay. We'll get to his. You can read uh, Warren's. Okay. Uh, Warren Dickey said space Western has got to be my favorite thing ever. <laughs> my dad's and my grandpa's favorite genres rolled into one. Yep. <laughs> That's so good. Yep. Absolutely. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. Ryan Mayfield. Holy cow. I freaking loved it. Anyone else yell Boba Fett at your TV at least three <laughs> times during this episode. <laughs> Brilliant. How they made you think it was going to be him. And then it wasn't. And then it was. Yes. Totally. For sure. Lots of fan service, but I thought it was all really cool, especially the bike made out of a, an old pod racer. Yeah. As a bonus, it was just nice to see that 
<laughs> As a bonus, it was just nice to see that Danny landed on his feet after leaving Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> Wait. Danny Cordray. Do you do you remember that? He was in, he was in an episode in like season six or something like that of The Office. Oh, okay. Timothy yeah. Oliphant was. I didn't. I forgot about that. And wow. his name was Danny Cordray. He was like a traveling salesman with. with I the remember company. it now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's crazy. I totally forgot he was in The Office. Yeah, that's I so love Ryan. Well done. Well done. Um, uh, Michael Manley said, "I got Mad Raylan Givens vibes." From Justified, when the marshal when the marshal showed up, I guess that's uh, his character in Justified. Yeah, I've never um, seen it, but I've heard people keep saying that because he was he was basically the same character essentially. Yeah. Um, as soon as he came on screen, I knew who the actor was behind the mask. Perfect casting for a IMO. I just absolutely love the tempo of story in The Mandalorian. It's slower, but I appreciate the amount of time I get to spend in the Star Wars universe that way. Mm. 100% agree. Yep. yep. Literally, like, literally took the time to just sit around a campfire with sand people. Mm-hmm. Like That tells you everything about this show. Yeah. Like You got to just see that, you know? Yes. One hundred percent. I'll read the next two because Joe's is really short. Yeah. Um, Joe French says, just watched and screamed, Boba Fett. (laughs) And yep, along (laughs) with the rest of the world. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Travis Mosler finally watched it. Absolutely loved it. The post-Empire graffiti and that wasn't part of the deal. He's cool with droids now. Timothy Oliphant, Boba Armor, Sand People, their dogs, Crate Dragon slash Tremors, Into the Belly of the Beast, Tamura Morrison. <laughs> He's just listing all <laughs> of the great things. everything, yeah. I love it. Uh, number one, did any of you notice the aspect ratio shift? Yes, yes, we talked about that. They, they slowly expanded the screen from 21 by 9 widescreen to full 16 by 9 when the dragon charged out of the cave for the first time at the end. It worked so stinking well for the scale of the scene. Yes, we talked about that. Thank you for those details, by the way. 21 by 9 to 16 by 9. Love that. Yeah. Um, dude, it did work so well. That shot uh, from above when Din blew him up from the inside – where you yeah. saw the the seismic wave, yeah, like, like pulse out, dude. That shot was so cool, and it wouldn't have been the same in standard widescreen. It wouldn't have, yeah. So sick. Um, number two, is it too late for Din to change slash update his signet? Because the crate dragon kill is <laughs> is hell a lot or hella cooler than the mud horn. <laughs> yes. Right? I know. I thought that too. I was like, man, he should get a crate dragon now. That's so much cooler. <laughs> that is hysterical. Well, point well made, Travis. Um, number three, I'm glad Din didn't accidentally kill the marshal when he <laughs> bashed his jetpack because I've seen that go south a few times. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dude, that's a great thread. Great job, yeah. Travis. Oh, he also says, also, the Marshall Speeder definitely looks the part of a pod racer. It felt like they milked that reveal shot of him catching up t- uh, to Mando, so I'm sure there was some significance there. That's a good point. The way they mm-hmm. shot it made you feel like this isn't just any pod racer engine. Right. You yeah. know? That's a and great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
There's also a meme uh, that says uh, Cobb Vanth Vanth Refrigeration, and it's his character from The Office uh, yep. sitting yep. next to Jim. That's so yep, good. Yep, yep. That's great. Um, Josh Mooney's thoughts um, are here as well. So finally got to watch it last night. I loved it. I really love the Western feel they portray in some episodes. Makes me look forward to the Kenobi miniseries, um, especially if they approach that the same way they did the book. Um, anything that expands on the Tuscan Raiders makes me happy too. Yes. Mm -hmm. I really like Michael Manley's reply to that. So I'm going to read that. I'm just now remembering how much I wish star Wars had expanded on that species. I'm so glad they did considering I hated them when they tortured and killed Anakin's Anakin's mom, not to mention when they were just shooting pod racers, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was because they're they're trespassing on their sacred on their land, land sacred, their sacred land. I just get it. I get them now. Yeah, so cool. And then he continues, the amount of forgiveness required of both sides to team up against the crate dragon should not be understated. Mm-hmm. I love that point. Yeah. For so sure. I commented and said, I love that point. Um, yes, y'all. Thank you so much for participating. That was great. Um, yeah. I love hearing y'all's thoughts right there. That's so cool. So I love it. Guys, in closing here, just a reminder about what we talked about earlier. If you want to hear your actual literal voice heard on this podcast, <laughs> you can do so by um for instance, for this week, what we will be doing is I want you guys to to do this regarding your thoughts on this episode. Um and your theories for the next episode. And then uh, going forward, there will be probably hopefully more of you doing this and some still doing the Facebook stuff. Uh, But yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing this week. Send us in your thoughts, your theories, speculations, any thoughts that you have that, that aren't in the Facebook group or whatever to, you're going to record a minute long or less voice memo, send it to point, uh, sorry, send it to, POV podcast two at gmail.com and then we'll play it. So uh, guys, I'm really excited about that. That's going to be a really fun thing that we do. Just do your best to get, just do your best to keep it under a minute. If it goes a little over, you know, the main thing is I don't want to add an hour onto the end of our podcast, (laughs) you know, for, for this, you know, we may have to end up doing a separate episode that is Mm -hmm. just a fan response episode, which is cool. If Mm -hmm. we wanted to do that, that's totally cool. Um, but, but if it gets out of hand like that, that's what we'll have to do. And at that point we can do however long you want. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And so do you have any stray thoughts on this or any other thoughts on the, uh, on the, uh, the Facebook group or anything like that? I don't think so, man. I'm excited for this week's episode. Oh my gosh. Me too. My God. I have no idea where they're going now. <laughs> we get new Mandalorian, new Mandalorian every week for the next few weeks. Again, how wonderful is that for the next seven weeks? all right we have gone two hours and 12 minutes so let's get off of here yes (laughs) all right guys thank you so much for listening and until next time may the force be with you always always